0: Hey, what's up, everybody? I want to welcome you guys to another Saturday special of the Dreamers Pro Show. Let me get into the content here today. So today we have a lot of interesting things that we want to talk about. Okay, we have a lot of different things. We're going to be recapping uh, what happened in the week uh, with Shannon Sharp uh, potentially joining ESPN. We're also going to talk a little bit about Colin Cowherd um, and him calling out and Dan Lebitar calling out uh, Colin Cowherd. But I want to start off with a topic that I think a lot of people are going to enjoy. I think is also going to piss off a lot of people. And I said to myself, I said, hey, this is the absolute reason why we need to produce this show. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Because it seems like there are a lot of people out there that dislike the fact that I'm a huge Kobe Bryant fan. And I give him his props. Now, recently, we put up a poll on our channel where we essentially asked the audience... How many points do you think Kobe Bryant would score in today's NBA? That was the question we put up. I don't think it was anything complicated. I actually thought it was a rudimentary question. I didn't think it was anything that was going to confuse people. The question simply was, if Kobe Bryant played today, what would he average? And I gave the audience four options, 40 points a game, 37 points a game, 35 points a game, and 30 points a game. Out of the 10,000 people that voted, would you believe that 19% of those people believe that Kobe would average 30? Which to me is absolutely astonishing, which proves that we absolutely need to produce a show like this. Because it seems like a lot of people are either misinformed or totally confused about the matter. 32% of these people said that they thought he would score 35, you know, because Kobe did that in 2006. 21% of them said 37. And 28% of them said 40. 40 points. Now, let me give you guys a systematic breakdown as to why I believe Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan are the only two NBA players that could average 40-plus points a game in today's NBA. Let's get into it here. In the 1986, I mean, the 1986 season, Michael Jordan, in that season, averaged 37.1 points per game on 48% shooting. That's what MJ averaged In 1986, would you believe that there's a crop of NBA fans that are actually unaware that Michael Jordan had a scoring season like that? Would you believe that? Yes. Jordan scored 37.1 on 48% shooting. Now, this is the part where this particular show begins to get really, really freaky and spooky. Here are some interesting facts about Jordan that season. As you guys know, we are currently in the three-point era. In the three-point era where teams are attempting well above 35 threes a game. In that season, Michael Jordan scored 37 points while only attempting 0.8 eight threes a game and only made 0.1 to translate that, in, that into a number that maybe some people will understand that season Jordan attempted 66, 66 threes do you know how many he made? he made 12 threes on the season 12 threes on the season and the man still scored 37.1 points a game that year, which to me is absolutely incredible. If Jordan had only attempted, let's say, four threes a game or one three point shot a quarter that would probably give him an additional three to six extra points a game. An additional three to six points a game, which would easily push MJ over the 40 point per game scoring line in a season. You see, because when Jordan was scoring all of those points, the NBA was a different game. It wasn't a run and gun game, number one. Number two, there were a lot of traditional bigs, which means that the spacing that you have right now where you see the four man flaring out to the three-point line, the five man in some cases flaring out to the three-point line, which gives you an open lane. When Jordan was playing, you didn't have that. And oh, by the way, He did that in a much more physically taxing era in the NBA which makes this era look like the cupcake era the bubblegum era the bubblegum era if Jordan played in this particular NBA he would abuse these dudes he would abuse these dudes Let me give you guys some more information and some more stats and things you need to consider. Here's something else you need to consider. In the 1998 season, which was the last season of the Chicago Bulls last dance, that run. That year, those Chicago Bulls, as a team, attempted 14.1 14.13 point attempts a game 14.1 that's what teams were attempting back then today teams are attempting 35 and some teams are attempting over 43s a game those teams would be the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors. Go look it up. Those teams last season attempted above 43s a game, which basically translates into about 10 three-point attempts a quarter. Now, here's another thing one needs to consider. We need to consider the pace. We need to consider the pace of the game. Now, for those of you who are wondering what exactly is the definition of pace, pace is essentially how many possessions teams get in 48 minutes. That's essentially what that particular data point tracks. If you look at the year when Kobe Bryant averaged 35.4 points per game, which was 2005-2006 season, the league average in terms of pace was 92.13. The average score per game was about 97 points a game. So if Jordan and Kobe played in this current NBA where there's more spacing, no traditional bigs, no hand checking, a lot of ticky tack fouls, no real great perimeter defenders. And when I mention traditional bigs, I'm just talking about big bodies that clog the paint. I'm not talking about big bodies that are also excellent shot blockers, like David Robinson, like Tim Duncan, like the Kembe Mutombo, like. Shaquille O'Neal, like Hakeem Olajuwon, like those guys, Ben Wallace and East Cats, that's not what I'm talking, I'm I'm, I'm just talking about just the lack of spacing, and in a game today, where the average pace is over 101 possessions, those guys would easily score 40 points a game, and it wouldn't even be a thing to blink about. It wouldn't be. MJ scored 37 on just twos. On just two-point shots. And the man scored 37 a game. 37. Kobe averaged 35.4 while just attempting 6.53-point attempts on 34% shooting. Jordan was 0.6, 0.8 attempts per game. Let me try to relate it back to a modern-day score. As you guys know, a number of years ago, James Harden was playing for the Houston Rockets. And while James Harden was a Houston Rocket, he was putting up some ungodly numbers, ungodly numbers. Now, I was one of the people that wasn't impressed by it. There were some people out there like Max Kellerman and others, and I was, I was in a group that was not impressed by it. Number one, because of his style of play. James Harden had like three moves, and one of them had a lot to do with carrying. He would, he would travel, and no one would call it. The step back three, dribble, 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 step back, travel three or dribble, dribble 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 drive by you lay up that was it one of the most boring displays of offense in my personal view this is just my this is my opinion it wasn't fun to watch because it was so predictable you knew what he was going to do one or two one two or three things that season James Harden averaged 36 points a game do y'all know how many three-point shots James Harden was attempting that season In the year that James Harden scored 36 points a game, he attempted, get this, 13.23 point shots a game on 36.8% shooting. James Harden by himself was essentially attempting as many shots as as the Chicago Bulls as a team was attempting in 1998. That's what was happening. Now imagine... If Michael Jordan played in the cupcake era and he attempted seven three-point shots a game, which would be low. But imagine if he attempted 7.3. 7.3. If he did that, my hunch is this. If Jordan made it up in his mind, I think Jordan would have averaged 43 to 45 points a game. Yes. You see, it sounds incredible. I was actually uh, talking to one of our viewers yesterday, and he was like, you know, when Kobe was scoring all those points, he was playing 41 minutes a game. That's un- that's unheard of. And I'm like, no, it's not unheard of. It's unheard of because this is one of the laziest eras in NBA history, in the cupcake era. So that's why it seems unheard of. In the past, a lot of guys were playing in the high 30s and minutes. High. Go back and look. Allen Iverson, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, all of them. Guys played. They earned their salaries. Now it seems like NBA players are looking for every single way to make the maximum amount of money with putting forth the least amount of effort. And the dumb fans who fall for it are the ones that are lining their pockets. So he was like, there's no way. I'm like, yeah, those guys were doing it. Full on, they were doing it. So I think Jordan would have averaged 43 to 45 a game. And if you put Kobe in today's game, because if you, if you don't know, in 2006, Kobe averaged 43 points a game for a month. For a month. These are just the facts. Kobe would average 40. And I think Kobe could actually get a 100-point game in this NBA. Because Kobe could score 25 points in a quarter. I've seen him do it multiple times. And I'm not comparing it to Klay Klay Thompson. What Klay Thompson did was impressive. It absolutely was. It absolutely was impressive. But Klay Thompson was playing with one of the great with the greatest three-point shooter in NBA history. And Kevin Durant, these guys. So he had a lot of spacing. What spacing did Kobe have? Luke Walton? Smush Parker? Hmm, you tell me. What's the spacing that Lamar Odom? These are great players, but Lamar Odom's a great player. Were they spacers? Hell no, they weren't. And he will still punt up those points. Kobe will score hundred. He will easily score hundred. This is why you got to watch the game. This is why you actually have to watch the games and watch the players. So when people are arguing with me, oh, this guy is better than Kobe. It's laughable on its face. It's an absolute joke. It's an absolute joke. Kobe and Jordan, to me, are the two greatest offensive weapons the NBA has ever seen. Now, some people say Wilt, you can throw Wilt in there. <laughs> but Jordan even has higher numbers. So for the people, for the people that are, oh, whoa, 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 you, you, you know, MJ has a higher regular season scoring average than Wilt, right? Y'all know that. But y- y'all know that. You know, Michael Jordan holds the record. He holds the record for the most points scored, the highest career average in NBA history. Y'all know that. You're also aware that he holds the record for the highest scoring average in playoff history. You guys know this. And here's a freakier stat for you. Jordan's playoff scoring average is actually higher than his regular season average. That's the GOAT. That's the GOAT right there. In all his glory. That's the GOAT. And then you got a lot of people out there that believe Kobe's right next to Jordan. A lot of people. There are, are a plethora of people that believe Kobe Bryant was damn near just as good as Jordan. I don't believe that. Kobe was incredible, but there's some things that Jordan did better. But there are people that believe that. So these are my thoughts. I hope it was educational some people. Some people it piss you off. Hey, at least you're listening. So I thank you for your ears. Your angry ears <laughs> at the very least. Let's move on to the ne- the next topic here. So as you guys know, uh, Shannon Sharp is one of the hottest free agents um, in the market right now. One of the hottest free agents. A lot of people a lot of people are clamoring uh, for his services. Um, and ever since he left Undisputed, a lot of people have been speculating where Shannon Sharp is going to land. And one of those people that's actually been clamoring for Shannon Sharp's services is Stephen A. Smith of ESPN. Now, a number of weeks ago. Stephen A. Smith came out on his podcast where he basically said he would love to have Shannon Sharp on ESPN First Take as a weekly contributor. He put it out there, right? And then what happened? A report came out, and I think we were one of the first sources to break that report. We got it from Front Office Sports where we basically released some information where we found out that Shannon Sharp can, in fact, be going to ESPN, uh, and it's a real possibility. Then what happens? Yesterday, um, Stephen A. Smith comes on his podcast, And he basically announces that, number one, ESPN is speaking to Shannon Sharp. That's number one. Number two, he wants him on his show as a weekly contributor. And number three, he wants Shannon Sharp to come into the fold of ESPN as a whole. So he wants Shannon Sharp to be employed by ESPN as a whole. He also expressed the fact that he believes that you don't let a talent like Shannon Sharp walk out of the door. If you're a network now, was that a direct shot at FS1? Well, some could could definitely interpret it that way, but I don't think that's what he meant. And he himself didn't say that. But nevertheless, Shannon Sharp joining ESPN, I believe would be a fantastic move because number one, they're still the number one leader in sports media. There's no disputing that <clears throat> even though those numbers on the decline, you still can't dispute the fact that they're still leading the way in sports. So if you have a Shannon Sharp, you put him on the number one morning sports talk show on ESPN First Take, where he gets to make a guest appearance once a week. I think, number one, that could work wonders for him. One, it could keep his name in the spotlight. Number two, it would keep him relevant. Number three, he'll be able to promote things like his brand or whatever it is, because his intellectual IP is always buzzing. People know him. Number four, I think, is going to help his show the Shannon Sharp podcast and I think is a win for him and I also think it's a win for ESPN because it brings in new fresh blood you know new talent it brings in new excitement and I think that Shannon Sharp bringing him on has the possibility to make headlines every time he comes on the show the same way uh, uh, JJ Reddick can make a headline with him going at Kendrick Perkins or Chris Mad Dog Russo and on and on and on and on that works well for ratings now to people like Dan Libertard, it turns sports media into one big circus but as he said the circus works it's what it's what makes the most money so you got to do what makes the most money so by Shannon Sharp deciding to join ESPN is going to make everybody a bunch of money and I think that Shannon Sharp is going to be one of the biggest things out there as you guys know uh, FanDuel Originally had a deal with Pat McAfee for $120 million over four years. And people like Marcellus Wiley, who's a former industry insider, he believes that, listen, FanDuel has a lot of that money sitting around because Pat McAfee didn't see his contract all the way out to the end. And he says that he feels like some of that money may be able to go to a person like Shannon Sharp, who's an NFL guy. And Pat McAfee's show was predominantly all about the NFL. So, it would be a perfect marriage. Now, it would, just, it would just come down to whether or not it's something that both parties want to do. But he has speculated that FanDuel may pick him up because these sports books have an endless amount of money to spend. So, to me, I think Shannon Sharp most likely would join Undisputed, I mean, uh, ESPN first take. Stephen A. Smith even said on his Twitter that he was going to be making a special announcement this coming Monday. About this very thing. So I'm going, to be in, I'm going to be extremely interested to see what happens. I think they're going to get Shannon Sharp right before the beginning of the NFL season. Because Stephen A. Smith seems absolutely committed to ensuring this, that ESPN remains the number one top dog in the sports media space. So I guess we just have to wait and see how that goes. So let me get to the third segment uh, here. Let's close off. Let, let, let's, let's get to this one. As you guys know, Dan Lebitard was formerly employed by ESPN. You guys are aware of this. Fantastic. Since leaving ESPN, he struck a $50 million deal back in 2021 with DraftKings, which they now have the DraftKings Network, where he has his show, his podcast. And um, for those of you who may be unaware, you know, the podcasting space has a lot of money. There's a lot of money there and a lot of resources there. In fact, we just recently joined one CLNS, uh, you know, that network as well. And there's a tremendous amount of upside when you're able to actually join one of these networks. Right. So Dan Libertar left ESPN. He created his own thing and, um, you know, he's doing very well, right? He's doing very well for himself. But ever since he's left, he's been critical of the direction uh, sports media has gone. And a few months ago, one of his former uh, colleagues, uh, you know, while he was still employed at ESPN, Stephen A. Smith, actually came onto his show. And during his visit, during his episode, they were discussing a range of things. A range of things. And during the interview, Dan Lebitar said in no uncertain terms that he doesn't like what Skip Bayless. And Stephen A. Smith have done have done to sports media. Now, the moment he said that, Stephen A. Smith immediately rebutted um, what he said. He said, "But well, where have you been? Like, what were you doing? You know, like, what are you, what are you talking about? You were part of it too." And he said that he believes that these guys have made sports media dumber. Right? <clears throat> he believes that they've watered down the medium. And then Stephen A. Smith recently kind of went back and then they had their back and forth. Dan Levitard then responded to him. But then what happened? Then what happened? Um, just a day or so ago, I was actually listening to the Dan Lebatard show and he actually released a clip. And this particular clip was centered on some of the things That are some of the dirty tricks that that go on in the sports media landscape. And in specific, he was talking about Colin Cowherd, who's currently employed by FS1. And he basically said that Colin Cowherd knows that there is a lot of money. in giving bad takes in sports, a lot of money. So what we want to do is we want to quickly play what Dan Levitard had to say about this. And then we're going to continue on with the show. Take a listen to what Dan Levitard had to say there.
1: I mean, when you look at the powerful signature voices, whoever they are, Dan mm. Patrick is now saying he's going to retire in 2027. Colin Cowherd, Jim Rome, whatever the signature voices have been in this space, aging. I'm genuinely curious How some of them are going to try and make it to what Bayless is at 70, which is still in the game by being just the most absurd. The most absurd. Just hate LeBron for 20 years. Don't enjoy the 20 years. Just hate them. I'm a cartoon media villain, and that's what I'm doing. But the one that I find more interesting than that is what Cowherd's doing. Because Cowherd is super calculated about how he gets people to listen. And he knows that there's money in being wrong. So he's got no problem taking out Justin Fields as a quarterback. Because why not? It's content and it's not a human being. It's just something I said once upon a time. Being wrong doesn't cost me anything. I'll just go after Justin Fields. But I'll do this purposely and purposefully. I'm going after that guy, Justin Fields, because he's an avatar for something. Eh, Is he a quarterback? Is he running back? What is he as the game changes? Can he can he be the things that the quarterback has always been, which is Peyton Manning? I'm going to question him. I'm going to question him loudly. And then he does it in the greatest way possible, because this is the way that he does it. And I just loved it, because if you're looking at it from someone calculated to bother you, he's always been 64, 60, 40, that Justin Fields is going to succeed. And today in July because the football machine must be fed, he's pulling back 5%. What? Oh, my God. Which way? He's pulling back. He's pulling back from 60-40. He's going to succeed to 55-45. I thought
2: we were going to get 50-50, but he's like, I'm not ready for that. Not yet. yet. He still thinks
1: he will succeed, but he's leaving himself the chance that he's going to be less wrong because he moved it back 5%. 55%. It sounds like he's less certain that he's going to succeed, right? But then here playing this same game, mm-hmm. slides in on Fox Sports as well. Craig Carton comes in and says, Daniel Jones is arguably one of the best running quarterbacks in the league. Holy sh- Arguably. Arguably. I like the arguably. Look at what we're doing there. I'm ready for an argument. Saquon's holding out. Daniel Jones might be a young savior at the quarterback position. Can't have too much Lamar Jackson at quarterback. No. Got to prop up some Daniel
0: Joneses. So you heard what he had to say. Now, here's what's, in, here's what's interesting about this. As he was saying that, it made me think of someone that I truly dislike when it comes to NBA content, which is Nick Wright. Nick Wright is one of the biggest Kobe Bryant haters in NBA history. He's one of the biggest Michael Jordan haters. He's a huge LeBron fan. And Nick Wright is represented by Clutch Sports, as we recently discovered through one of his colleagues working at FS1 with him in Doug Gobley, Who said it? And I thought about Nick Wright because I said it was back in 2016 when Nick Wright really made his name when he went on undisputed with Chris Carter. And he gave one of the single most ridiculous sports takes I have ever heard. Now, on this particular show, they were talking about LeBron. But on this particular episode, he actually said that LeBron had already surpassed Michael Jordan. After he won his third ring. So for those of you who actually don't remember Nick Wright saying that, take a listen to what Nick Wright had to say there, and then we're going to continue on with the show. Take a listen to that.
2: All right, so if we're talking about accomplishments, he needs at least a couple more rings, probably one more MVP. But if we're talking about accomplishments, Jordan's not the GOAT. It's Kareem. And if it's not Kareem, it's probably Russell. So we're not really talking about accomplishments. We're talking about who's the best, who's the best one game to decide your life. Who do you want in all time history? So for LeBron to pass Jordan, he needs a time machine to go back about 11 months when he passed him the first time. LeBron has been the best player ever since about midway point of game six of last year's finals. And all he's done since then is continue that he's on the greatest streak in postseason history since LeBron. Since Dre called him the B-word and Clay said his feelings were hurt, he's played 16 games, his team's 15-1, giving you 34, 9, 8, and 55% shooting. And when we're just comparing the two players, LeBron averages more rebounds, assists, blocks, steals than Jordan, shoots a better percentage from two, shoots a better percentage from three, is the more versatile defender, can guard all five positions. Can, he can do everything Jordan could do, but better. So what does he need to do to pass Michael Jordan. He already done past michael jordan as far as who's the best player ever so you heard nick wright
0: that video to this day has 4.5 million views on youtube that video is where nick wright made his name he obviously knew he was wrong and he knew by saying something so outlandish it would cause a lot of people to want to listen and by doing so You create attention for yourself and then you start getting ratings and views and then you start making money. That's how it works. And there are a lot of people in the sports media space that have decided to go that route. And I think that's what Dan Lebertard was alluding to. He's basically saying sports media has turned into one big clown show. And I think he's absolutely right so these are my thoughts Uh, what i want to know from you guys is what do you think about today's show please leave a comment or review Um, and also make sure you follow the channel if you're listening to us on itunes make sure you hit the follow button if you're listening to uh, listening to us on spotify make sure you follow us and thank you guys for your attention and we'll catch you guys later have a good one